You know, they say a father carries pictures in his wallet of where his money used to be. And uh, I saw this too. I don't know if anybody in here has twins. But George Bush said, I've been to war. I've raised twins. If I had a choice, I'd rather go to war. (laughs) Oh, my. My, my, my. But Father's Day is a great day. There's a young man at our church, Neil Brunder, and a couple of years ago we were doing some planning for the upcoming year, and we were talking about Mother's Day and Father's Day, and Neil, in his dry humor, said out loud for the rest of the staff to hear, he said, oh, Mother's Day. He said, that's when Pastor talking about me, calls all of the mothers saints and says they never do anything wrong. On Father's Day, pastor says the fathers are doing good, but they could sure do a whole lot better. <clears throat> so I'm not in my home church now, so I will, but I really do believe that several, several weeks ago, God put something on my heart I want to share with you today. And I want to read some verses of scripture, and I didn't give them to put on the overhead. But it says in the eighth chapter, I believe, of 1 Kings, Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel, unto King Solomon in Jerusalem that they might bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. Verse 2 says, And all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto King Solomon at the feast in the month Ethanim, which is the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came, and the priests took up the ark, and they brought up the ark of the Lord and the tabernacle of the congregation, and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle, even those did the priests and the Levites bring up. I'm not going to really talk about those verses till I get to the end of my message today. But I believe that God wants to say something here today to all of us. I said at the very beginning, the presence of God is in this place. I've done a pretty good job of trying to show a little decorum here today and not get too caught up in everything, but I so feel the presence of God in this house. And because he's here, whatever you came needing today, you may have just come because it's Father's Day, you may have just come because it's a a special occasion or the kids were singing or whatever, and all that's been fabulous, but God's here to meet your need. Whatever you need today. Hallelujah. And if you didn't know it, you need him. You need him so desperately if you don't know him. And he's in this place today. Amen. Reading from Genesis chapter number 2 verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And then in the next chapter, chapter 3, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam his wife and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And verse 9 says, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Or you might say in maybe a little more modern English, Adam, where were you? Adam, why didn't you speak up? And I'm here to challenge the men today, the fathers who are here today, I don't know in my lifetime, and I'm 72, that I've ever lived in a world that was more in need of godly men to speak up. Larry Crabb wrote a book about the silence of Adam. And the subtitle of that book was Becoming Men of Courage in a World of Chaos. And my wife spoke today about the need for us to hear the word of God, to hear the voice of God. And I've kind of been on that same train of thought for the last year, how desperately we need to hear the voice of God. Can I get a witness in here? But I thought of something when I was thinking about this service today. Don't expect to hear the voice of God if you're not willing to lift your own voice against the darkness. I'm going to say that again. We shouldn't expect to hear God's voice speak to us if we're not willing to go ahead and speak what He has said against the darkness of this world that we live in. Esther chapter 4 and verse 12, when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back his answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Oh, men, 
fathers and everyone in here under my voice right now, we need to raise our voice in this day that we live in. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Would you give God some praise right now? Hallelujah. We got to speak up against the darkness. We can't just leave it up to the pastor or a Sunday school teacher. We've got to have fathers. We've got to have men who will speak up what God is speaking to you. I read again the story of David and Goliath. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, This is what will be done for the man who kills him. Then Eliab David's oldest brother heard him speaking with the men. He burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done? Said David. Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Oh, it's time for, he was just a young man. He was just a boy, the scripture says. But there was something evidently got in his heart from being alone on the hills of Judea taking care of sheep that he just couldn't be silent. There was something coming against Israel, and he said, I've got to stand up if nobody else stands up. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to say again, it's not enough for Brother Gaddy to be the only one that speaks up, or the youth pastor, or the Sunday school teachers, or even a godly congressman. Daddy, you've got to speak up. You've got to say it. I picked up a book, I haven't read it all, but Eric Metaxas wrote a book, Letter to the American Church. In an earnest and searing wake-up call, the author of the bestseller Bonifer, pastor, martyr, prophet, and spy, warns of the haunting similarities between today's American church and the German church of the 1930s. Echoing Bonifer's prophetic call, Eric Metaxas exhorts his fellow Christians to repent of their silence in the face of evil before it's too late. Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. God will not hold us guiltless. Can it really be God's will that his children be silent at a time like this? Decrying the cowardice that masquerades as godly meekness, Eric Metaxas summons the church to battle. The author of a best-selling biography of Dietrich Bonifer, Metaxas reveals the haunting similarities between today's American church and the German church in the 1930s. Echoing the German martyr's prophetic call, 
he exhorts his fellow Christians to repent of their silence in the face of evil. An antenated and unbiblical faith based on what Bonifer called cheap grace has sapped the spiritual vitality of millions of Americans. Paying lip service to an insipid evangelism, they shrink from combating the evils of our time. Metaxas refutes the pernicious lie that fighting evil politicizes Christianity. As Bonifer and other heroes of the faith insisted, the church has an irreplaceable role in the culture of a nation. It is our duty to fight the powers of darkness, especially on behalf of the weak and vulnerable. Silence is not an option. God calls us to defend the unborn, to confront the lies of cultural Marxism, and to battle the globalist tyranny that crushes human freedom. Confident that this is his fight, the church must overcome fear and enter the fray, armed with the spiritual weapons of prayer, self-sacrifice, and love. And I echo that and I say amen to that. It is time for godly men to stand up and be counted for righteousness. We've got to open our mouth. It starts with us. Why don't you say that? It starts with me. It starts with me. It starts with me. I begin to read some of that. And I sent some of that to my daughter and my son-in-law who live in, outside of El Dorado, raising our two youngest grandkids, Chael and Pfeiffer. We had them at the youth camp the week before this, past one, and tried to put them in, a, in an atmosphere of holiness, an atmosphere of redemption, an atmosphere that leads to repentance, I want my family to be awake in these days. Are you listening to me, dads? We can't go to sleep right now. There's too much at stake. Did you see what was on the platform a few minutes ago? That's at stake. Our future's at stake. We've got to open our mouth and speak the truth and stand up for righteousness. You've got to do it, man. Oh. Then I go back to my opening verses. In 1 Kings chapter 8, the ark is brought back to the temple. Solomon has built his palace and he has built the temple that he erected to the glory of God. The ark represents the glory and the presence of Jehovah. And if you were paying attention, especially since you know the theme of today being men and fathers, the men brought back the worship. Verse chapter 8 says, Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers, the children of Israel unto King Solomon in Jerusalem that they might bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. Let me pause here to say he had erected a fantastic 
almost unfathomable temple for God. But it meant nothing without the ark. He said, we've got to have the presence in the temple. And verse 2 says, and all the men of Israel, all the men, it wasn't just the priests, all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto King Solomon in the feast in the month of Ethanim, which is the seventh month, and all the elders of Israel came and the priests took up the ark and they brought up the ark of the Lord and the tabernacle of the congregation and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle, even those did the priests and Levites bring up. Man, I don't want to just challenge you today that it's time for you to speak up. But men, it's time for you to lead in worship. It's time for you to lead in worship. I mentioned something, Brother Gaddy, something we've kind of laughed about a number of years, something I said to him at a men's conference. I was watching a man, actually a, a, a missionary who had come back from the foreign field, Vic Votaw, and in that service he was worshiping around the front. And I mean, he was dancing and getting with the program. And I said, Brother Gaddy, that is strong worship. And we have, we've kind of smiled about that since then. But we need strong worship from men in this hour. I thank God for this church. I mean, this is, this is fabulous. This is, this is first class in every way. I mean, it is just gorgeous. But people aren't coming here for this building People aren't coming to New Life Church because of the location. I'll even go so far to say people aren't coming because of the preaching of Brother Gaddy. I didn't get much amen and that's good. You, didn't, you shouldn't have amen then. People are coming here because the glory of God is in this house. That's what's drawing people here. The presence of the Almighty God. Because when you come in here, you feel conviction, but you feel hope. You feel like there's something that could change, change in my marriage. There's something could change with my family. There's something could change in my mind. There's something could change over my addictions. It's because the glory's here. And men, daddies, listen to me. It's time for you to be the ones who... Lead the way in worship. I'm not here to get on anybody's case. I don't come to church here. This isn't my church. I come every once in a while. But I want you to know something. When I saw this group of men up here today. I know for some it's good enough. 
you think it's good enough that you just showed up. You know, honey, you ought to be thankful that I even come. You know, I could be watching the game today. I could be doing something else. And we're supposed to pat you on the back just because you showed up today. And I am glad you showed up today. But we need more out of you than just showing up. We need you to lead in worship. Those babies on the platform, those young people on the platform need to see you worshiping and magnifying God. Oh, come on, somebody help me right now. Women will lead in worship, but they shouldn't have to. If you really want to see women worship, you put some men out in front of them that are worshiping. Then you'll see some women worshiping. Come on, somebody help me right now. Hallelujah. The key to powerful deliverance and freedom in our services is for men. It's okay to go bananas in a game. Can I just remind some of you about that? It's going to be a long time before the Razorbacks win anything. (laughs) They're in the Southeast Conference that has LSU and Alabama. So quit losing sleep over it. They just got beat in baseball like 24 to 7 or something like that. Give me a break. Quit having a good or bad day based on what the Razorbacks do. But you can go all crazy over that. I'm telling you, it's time to go crazy over kids that are singing on the platform. Go crazy over people worshiping and magnifying God. Go crazy over people being baptized like it's going to happen today in Jesus' name. It's time to worship. It's time to magnify. It's time to get vocal. Come on, magnify God with me right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We had a we had a rule at Word of Flame back when I was pastor. I don't know what the rule is now. But I told our men, I said, if a woman gets out in the aisle and she begins to worship God, You better not sit there and let a woman do that by herself. You better get out in the aisle and worship God too. Is that okay? Now when those men brought the ark to the temple, this is what verse 10 says. When the priest came out of the holy place, A thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord. Oh, Brother Getty, I want to see that. I want God to so show up here that the agenda's put in the trash and what we've got planned just goes out the window and the order of the songs and the order of the service and all of that and I believe in being organized. But oh, how I want the glory of God to fill 
this place. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I need some men to come up here and just worship God. You don't have to jump around. You don't have to holler. But if you just come in here and magnify God with me, why don't you dedicate yourself to be a man of worship like never before? I'm not just going to sit by. I'm going to magnify you with everything that's in me, God. You deserve it. You deserve it, God. You deserve it, God.